Hello everybody. I am so glad you're here. I'm Ray Hughes and welcome to the Listening Porch. Well, life rolls by like years, as years roll by like life. And sometimes you're living, sometimes you're rolling, but such is life. You know, I was um, considering today really what I wanted to talk to you all about, and I found so many things just kind of moving around in my heart from point to point and subject to subject, but I don't I don't ever really plan these things out all that good. I don't try to put a lot of production value and premeditated thought into it as much as, maybe as not as much as I should, and, and I'm sure thankful and appreciate you guys coming on and listening, and sometimes it's just listening to me mentally process as we go, but the other day I was, I was thinking about how Wonderful it is to have the ability to read. You know, it, it might mean more to me than it would some, you know, being raised by a father that couldn't read. And um, my dad couldn't read, and he went about three days to school, came from a very uh, simple place in a simpler time. And uh, from some really strange and, and at times uh, harsh surroundings. And I was thinking about all the people that have the ability to read. Just sometimes we take it so so much for granted. And uh, you know, there's a there's an English poet, uh, and here I am just meandering again. But Samuel Taylor uh, Coleridge was his name, and he was a he was an English poet and a philosopher and a theologian. He was a, he was one of those uh, Lake District poets in England, if you're familiar with he or, or people like uh, Wordsworth, uh, John Keating. Coleridge was, he was a part of that whole, what was called the Romantic Movement in England. There was a, a bit of a, a grouping of friendships that were born out of that time as these guys were, were you know, bringing their voice and bringing their understanding and sometimes their theology. And I, and I certainly don't uh, always agree with all of the all of the theology of that time, uh, or that that would even come out of the, some of those guys that I appreciate their poetry and their writing, and and I really appreciate the fact that they cared enough to wonder, and then give the world what they found. But anyway, uh, Samuel Coleridge, he he was born in 1772 and died in 1834, so that kind of tells you when he when he was around. And this chat today is not just about him or even them. Where I want to get to with this is he wrote something that, about reading. It was like a reader's analysis. And he said there are only four kinds of readers. The first is like the hourglass. Their reading being as the sand. It runs in and runs out and leaves no vestige behind. And the second is like the sponge which imbibes everything and returns it in nearly the same state, only a little dirtier. And the third is like a jelly bag, allowing all that is pure to pass away, 
retaining only the refuse and the dregs. And the fourth type of reader, in his estimation, is like the, the slaves in the diamond mines, who, casting aside all that is worthless, retain only the pure gems. Wow. I thought that was a rather, rather amazing uh, observation, especially when you think about how important it was to Paul when he was writing to the Philippians. And he, he told them, hey, this, this, here's, how you need, here's what you need to meditate on. You don't necessarily need to be meditating on all the, the things that have gone sideways in this world and all the darkness that's in this world. If that becomes your focus, that will become your future. But he, when he wrote him a letter, a love note, a thank you note, and a friendship note, he ended it with, Finally, brethren, whatever things are true, whatever things are noble, whatever things are pure and just, whatever things are, are lovely, whatever things are of good report, if there's any virtue, and if there's anything praiseworthy, look for that. Find that. Meditate on these kind of things. The things which you learned and received and heard and saw in me, will you do that? And the God of peace will be with you. I mean, what a wonderful letter and note from a friend to just say, Hey, guys, don't let the world overtake you. Don't, let, don't be overcome by all of the darkness out there. Go, go for it like, like somebody in a diamond mine who uh, casting aside all that is worthless. Just uh, hang on to the pure stuff, the beautiful stuff. Boy, we could all learn a lesson from that. You know, um, he's really telling them, you know, focus on the beautiful things. That's one of the things that I've noticed is, is I'm always looking for a place to put beauty in my life. I, uh, not long ago, uh, I had a friend out in Colorado sent me a text, and and kind of out, uh, out of the blue, he asked me a question I wasn't I wasn't watching for. He just said, "What is beauty?" I don't think anybody's ever asked me that before. <laughs> Well, he said, what is beauty? And, and so I just, I just began to answer him on this, on this text just straight from, from the, my recliner. <laughs> I, I said, well, beauty is the ingredient that God put in the earth to serve as a holy reminder to taste and see that he's good in every circumstance. And that was about the... the first definition or first answer to that question that I could give. and but, it, but then I realized, wait a minute, I'm not done. Beauty is one of God's ways of saying, don't miss it and never forget it. Have you ever been standing somewhere and see something that was just so beautiful that you are so glad you didn't miss that? I actually woke up to a picture today of the snow and in Glencoe in the highlands of Scotland. And I thought, my goodness, look at the beauty. It made me miss Scotland all day, but I didn't stop. I kept writing because 
kept thinking about it. Beauty is an invitation to look deeper. That was my third definition of beauty. And then I had the thought, well, no, you know, beauty is an awakening that invites us to move past the glance and rest in the gaze. I've experienced that many times in, in Ireland and where you just stand in one of those places that make you whisper, you know. And beauty is a force that God uses to hush logic and welcome wonder. Here's another one. Beauty is an invitation to embrace awe and wonder. I wondered if I was actually going to get stopped, so I quit trying. Beauty is feeling what you see. Here's another definition for you. Beauty is concentrated truth wrapped in a moment. You know, uh, the poor man is not somebody who is without a scent. The poor man is someone without a dream and without a sense of beauty and without a sense of awe and wonder. If you don't have the ability to sense and feel all of life, you are a, you are a poor man. I'd hate to live my life in some dreamless dungeon of thought because they can hold you hostage to a sense of hopelessness. Beauty is a gentle force, but it's powerful enough to abolish all hopelessness. So, all that hopelessness that's in the world, the, the way to counteract that is find something that is so beautiful that you just have to give it away. Whatever you celebrate in your heart, whatever you find beautiful, that's what you're going to invite into your life. In the same way, I, yeah, like I treasure the ability to inspire. I, I don't have to strive to find inspiration to do that. I don't have to strive to inspire others. Inspiration seems to find me because I invite it into my life. Beauty finds me because I invite it into my life. I make a place for it. I look for it. I watch for it. I embrace simplicity and nurture the desire to love all insignificant things. And as much as possible, I try to acknowledge insignificant things as if the Holy Spirit is speaking and, and I celebrate those truths that I hear Him say. So celebrating the truths that I hear in my everyday, daily surroundings, I try to watch for it. And sometimes that just means reading an old book and becoming one of, not the hourglass guy that whose reading is being as the sand, and it runs in and runs out and leaves nothing behind. And I don't even want to be that second one, which is like a sponge that it just soaks everything up and returns to my former state, only a little dirtier. 
And I think Coleridge really nailed that one. And I don't want to be the third guy. It's like a jelly bag allowing all that is pure to just pass away and returning and holding on to just the refuse and the dregs that are in this world and and the things that we see and hear and know that are happening in our world. I really want to be that fourth one who's like a slave in a diamond mine. No matter how much darkness is around me, I can find a way to cast aside all that is worthless. And hopefully, and by God's grace, retain only the pure gems that are found in those dark places. You know, I I think if we try to live our lives doing what Paul encouraged us to do, you know, finally, and and I'll say today, finally, brethren, whatever things are true, whatever things are noble, whatever things are pure, and just, whatever things are lovely, whatever things are of good report, if there's any virtue, if there's any, is anything praiseworthy, meditate on it. Meditate on these things. These things which you have learned and received and heard and saw in me. Well, I want I want to do that. These are the things that we got to do. And here is a wonderful promise. And the God of peace will be with you. So anyway, I pray today that the God of peace is with you guys. We'll see you next time. Thanks for coming to the Listening Porch. Now you may have to leave, but you don't have to stay gone. You can become a patron of the show at patreon.com forward slash Ray Hughes. There you'll find video versions of this podcast. I also have numerous online courses at selaministries.com. And don't forget to take a look at the beautiful handmade ink pens at redriverturning.com. See you next time on the Listening Porch.